This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. And really what we're hoping to do is, is apply the gospel to indwelling sin within our hearts and lives. And Sometimes people naively think about sin, come to the realization that, or the conclusion that because they're a Christian, they no longer sin, or that they have complete freedom from from sin in their life. And boy, I wish that was true. I'm glad that it someday will be true. Um, But in the meantime, uh, really what it it amounts to is that we struggle. We struggle with sin. Um, And each of us have different sins that we struggle with more than others. God did not make us entirely the same. We have different personalities. We have different tendencies. And so somebody, one person might struggle with anger or somebody else struggles with pride and somebody else struggles with lust and somebody else struggles with addiction. And I don't think it's helpful necessarily to, to have a hierarchy. Um, this is where I think Jerry Bridges' book, um, Respectable Sins, is, is insightful that there tends to be sins that we are willing to put up with that we consider respectable and then all these others that are that are then deemed to be uh, atrocious. And really what we need to do is see, um, jo- Josh made mention of, of a book, to see the sinfulness of sin. And we just need to see all sin for what it is, a front to, to the majesty and beauty of, of God, an affront to his character. And so then it doesn't matter what this struggle is on, all sin is an affront. And what we're trying to help with is seeing that sin, but then overcoming. And today, we really want to think about obedience. What does, because really, the obedience is at the heart of, of a life, a sanctified life. I think there's a connection between misunderstanding sin and misunderstanding obedience. Mm-hmm. So in Genesis, Genesis really lays the foundation for you know every major doctrine in the Bible, including obedience. So in Genesis 1, verse 28, right after he made man in his own image, it says, and God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful, multiply, etc." So the command is to be fruitful, multiply. That is what he required from uh, mankind in terms of his obedience. But he framed the whole idea of obedience with blessing. If we don't understand that obedience is blessing, then the, the, the major problem is, is we've already bought into the first poison that, that Satan uh, tempted Adam and Eve with, which is, if you obey God, it's going to be for your misery. Sinclair Ferguson did a masterful job in the whole Christ talking about how this is the first poison that we we think that obedience to God, that God is holding out on us somehow. No, every command in scripture is a blessing Hmm. and every disobedience results in misery. We tend to have duty and delight as opposites. 
And the biblical sense is that duty is the light. Yeah. That they're not contrary to each other, they're actually complementary. Yeah. And, and really, non-duty is to our destruction. That's correct. So really what it boils down to is that when we have sin in our life, what we have decided is that at that moment that we love that sin more than we love Jesus Christ. And really the life of a child of, a God, of God is a life of obedience and really, it's a, a, a life of saying that I love Jesus and what he's commanded more than I love my own sin. So what does that look like, uh, that life of obedience? I think it's a commitment to follow God's word, will, and way. It's the language we use. And so it's, it's knowledge of what God has called us into. Um, I think to use Jesus' words in, in Luke nine twenty three, it's taking up our cross daily and following Christ uh, wherever he may lead us. It's denial of self. It's, it's uh, saying no to the things that God says no to, saying yes to the things that God says yes to. And I think that's so important, that, that whole idea that we have to know his word. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say, I love Jesus and I'm following after him, but I have no idea what, what he said. Right, yeah. The other component is like that obedience is a full obedience isn't true obedience if it's only halfway obedience. Like Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, he tried to compromise with God multiple times. Well, okay, I'll let your people go, but you must stay in the land. Okay, I'll let your people go, but you must leave your little ones. Okay, I'll let your little ones go, but you must leave the sheep. And that type of halfway obedience is not obedience at all. Philip Ryken, in that book that you recommended for Exodus, he, he talks about um, how how professing Christians can do this. He says, quote, they will say the sinner's prayer so long as they don't have to go to church every week, or they will go to church so long as they don't have to get baptized, or they'll get baptized so long as they don't have to get involved, or they'll give some time so long as they don't have to give any money, or they'll give mm-hmm. um, part of themselves to God as long as they don't have to give them everything. In short, they're willing to become Christians as long as they can still live for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Halfway obedience is not obedience. So we, we talked about this on Sunday that submission to the will of God means that, and this is a, a Riken quote, that if you don't submit to God in everything, then you don't submit to God in anything. Yeah. And because mm-hmm. the modern church really defines submission is that I will go along with what you're saying or what God says as long as I agree with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my line is, that's not submission, that's agreement. Yeah. Submission is when you yield your will when you don't want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, what Josh is saying in that Reichen quote. Yeah. It's yielding to what God has said. Yeah. But it begins by knowing what God has said. Yeah. And so then I would just strongly encourage you as a listener to be in God's word. Be in church. Be in churches. When the church doors are open, be there. Be under the word of God when it's preached, as it's read. Have it be part of your family. Set up a a system where, especially if, if you're a father or husband, lead in this area. I mean, have moments set aside in the day where you are pausing the family and saying, no, we're going to spend some time in God's Word. As individuals, we need to be in God's Word. We need to be part of Bible studies and and be reading good books. What you want to do is saturate your heart and mind with the Word of God, and not in a formalistic, duty-centered, but as in a, I long to know God more fully. 
well, how can I know God yeah. in his word? This is what it means to live in loving devotion to to God Himself. Mm-hmm. You know, if our love is real, then the test of that is obedience. Jesus Jesus said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." Mm-hmm. You know, so this genuine love for God and Christ will manifest itself in in obedience to Him. I think that's a huge point to make: is that obedience is motivated out of love for God and not anything else. I think of the the older brother in the story of the prodigal son in which his obedience was not motivated out of a love for his father, but out of a means to an end. And mm-hmm. so we, one of the things obedience is not is obedience to God's word, will, and way is not a means to get the life that you want uh, in, in terms of, okay, God, I obeyed, and now I've set you up into an uh, obligation to, to give me that reward or that blessing. Mm-hmm. Obedience is for the sake of, of God's glory and his goodness. Um, it doesn't always result in blessing. Sometimes, well, not maybe not temporarily, right? Yes, yeah. but there it always results in blessing, even it's if it's on the other side yes. of the veil. Well, yeah. you know, it, in the Sermon on the Mount, it's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added yes. to, to you. Well, people start with the, all these things, right? And then they say, I'm going to seek the Lord so I can get all these things. No, you seek the Lord first in his righteousness, and the things that are necessary for you are the things that are added to you. What would you guys say to the person who says, well, I can't cheerfully obey right now, so I just won't? Well, and sometimes they add that that's being a hypocrite. Right. Well, that's not actually the biblical definition of of hypocrisy. Right. There are times when it's it's always right to obey. Whether you feel like it or not, it's always right to obey. That's not hypocrisy. That's called obedience. Yeah. That that's being that's mm-hmm. that's our call to be a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is sometimes the feelings will follow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we do what we're supposed to do. We we obey, even when we don't feel like it. And then the feelings might come later. Yeah. My mom used to say obedience is better than sacrifice, and that that's what God always desires. He always desires obedience, um, not sacrifice. Just think of it in, in a marriage. If if I love my wife, if I say I love my wife, then I, I should look for th- to do things that please her, mm-hmm. not that please me or that get me things. I don't give her a gift because I like it. I, I need to give her a gift that she would actually appreciate. Yeah, I'm not going to 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 look for ways to to please myself in in that arena. Now, if I truly love my wife and give her gifts that are appropriate for her, mm-hmm. I do get a benefit from that. Yeah. That's the that's the blessing mm-hmm. that sure. that Josh and Jonathan were talking about. But that's not if that's what motivates me, then I'm not motivated from love, I'm I'm motivated from selfishness. Right. And and what you'll find is then then that distorts the love. It, it it mars the love. Yeah, I think it's right to have your your self-interest be a part of the equation. Because how many times does Jesus talk about your reward will be great? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he never, I and mean, Lewis talks about right. this, and Piper mm-hmm. does too, and Desire and God. God never gives us a, a lack of motivation That's for right. reward. That's right. Because he doesn't, it's actually dishonoring to God for him to say, uh, hey, do this, and it'll be miserable for you. Yeah. 
<laughs> that doesn't honor God if that's the type of obedience that we give him. Okay, Lord, I'll do it, but I know it'll only result in misery. Well, that's buying into Satan's lie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I-, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, we, we shouldn't be um, motivated to do something out of pure self-interest mm-hmm. with with no desire to please God and no desire to please our neighbor. But we need to have all of those things combined together. That's right. That's yeah. right. Vinny had mentioned his uh, mom saying to obey is better than sacrifice. It made me think of that Keith Green song when, when he sings, to obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money. I want your life. And, and you know, that's what God is uh, seeking from us in our obedience is our, our, our lives de- devoted to him yeah. and his glory, because that's what brings us our good. Amen. So we've got about a minute, minute and a half left. How important is the Holy Spirit in all of this? It's vital. Well, He's yeah, ever... yeah. This is you know, <laughs> this is what he, what God says. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'm going to put within you. I'm going to remove the heart of stone and from your flesh and give you a, a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. Without the Spirit, we can't obey. It's, it, this is what the heart transplant is all about. God promises to put uh, his Spirit into us to energize that very obedience that he calls us to. So it's, it's not just us working harder? No. <laughs> no. It's the gospel for life. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> it's the work of the Spirit within his people. God has not left us on our own. Amen. Amen. He has given us a helper and one that is powerful very God himself dwelling within. And it's that spirit that changes affections. And the spirit works according to the word. And so if you want to to experience the power of the spirit in your heart and life, give the spirit tools to work with. And this tool that the spirit loves to work with is the word of God. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.